I just slipped through an exam and you're listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. Hi David and welcome to Radio 1 and he has just completed a study, is that correct? We've completed a, seri- a series of studies actually, we got some money so we just went for it. We're looking at contemporary veterans because the veterans uh, they're getting now are younger obviously, they've probably served since we started going to Bosnia. So they're a younger group of veterans, and they were coming to Veterans Affairs with more complex sets of problems, and that's Veterans Affairs' own words. And I don't know exactly what the problems are, but from the previous work that we've done, we know it will be problems with muscle joints, with pain, probably PTSD, and maybe a thing called multi-system illness. So we looked at all those things. The first thing that we did was to look at PTSD and what sort of predicted or, you know, what the outcome of PTSD in veterans was associated with. And we got around 23 to 24% who had at least some signs of PTSD and 10 to 12% who had, according to our questionnaire, clinical PTSD. So the kind of things that they had was repeated disturbing memories, thoughts or, Im- or images of stressful built experience and more mundane things like loss of interest and things that you used to enjoy which is sort of a sign of depression. Um, trouble falling asleep, you know, repeated dreams. So what we found was veterans who had deployed, who were covered by Veterans Affairs, veterans who haven't deployed to a, to a combat zone or something that's classified as warlike uh, experience by the government don't get any cover from Veterans Affairs. So that was a really good comparison group. So would that be for like humanitarian missions or something? Or Yeah, but, but some of them were peacekeeping missions quite clearly. Um, Bosnia was a peacekeeping mission, but peacekeeping missions can be worse than, sometimes mm. can be worse than combat, because you're not allowed to intervene. Mm. So if there's something bad going on, you see abuse, you see, you know, people being potentially kidnapped, tortured or whatever, you, you, you can't do anything about it, so mm. you're helpless. And that results in a thing called moral injury which is just as bad as having PTSD, it's a mental injury. So that's just one of those things. So the kind of uh, deployment to a war zone increases the chances that you'd get involved um, with a bad experience and suffering PTSD. That's certainly true, yeah. Mm. So with the research, was that finding that veterans who suffered from PTSD, were they more likely to develop things like arthritis or was it mostly like mental no no they were more likely than the general population to have problems with mobility problems with self-care you know um, problems with pain and disability which was a bit unusual we knew there'd be some problems there but almost in every case there are higher levels than the New Zealand general population because of the activities they carry out they put a lot of stress on their joints especially the army um, and that sort of pain can be pain can affect the level of distress you feel as well obviously mm. it can affect your sleep so it's just a whole lot of things that come together and we were trying to disentangle what these relationships were um, there were certain things that should have helped, such as social support, 
But eventually we found out that social support didn't make any difference. And we don't know why, but we're going to look into that. Is is that like um, like RSA organisations or is it community uh, support? It, or? It's just we ask questions like there are people I can depend upon help if I really need it. Um, there are people that depend on me for help. There are people who enjoy the same social activities I do. One of the big problems is, um, too, with veterans, is transitions in life because... Um, you go into the military, you go into basic training, and you're taught to be part of a cohesive, very tightly knit group, mm. and to, to do what you're told almost without, without questioning as part of that cohesive team. Although most veterans will tell you, you know, um, the number one thing is not to get caught doing something bad, right? But then you develop this very strong military identity, you develop a kinship with your colleagues and then when you leave all of a sudden you've lost it mm. so if you've had experiences adverse experiences there's no one sometimes that you can share it with because that kinship's almost gone that kinship's gone um, they go and see a psychologist for example um, we did a study on loneliness now this is just this is Loneliness can be social isolation, for example, in the veteran out in the, wet, the, the veteran out in the coast, somewhere like Moratoria. Uh, so it can be social isolation, but it can also be experiential loneliness, because nobody thinks like you do, and nobody who has experienced what you've experienced, um, mm. the people you're talking to. So someone, some people have very deep stories to tell. They do need really complex psychological help the problem is they see themselves as being bulletproof because asking for help a veteran asking for help is a sign of weakness because mm. they normally expect just to deal with things for themselves yeah. soldiering on as they say mm. um, but sometimes soldiering on doesn't work and that's when the problems arise hoping that this research and further research will help like medical professionals develop absolutely yeah yeah. the other thing we've got which is really good is around the Maori project so this is the most money that's ever been spent on veterans health in New Zealand that's, a, that's awesome 1.2 million dollars a health research council grant um, which we were successful and led by Tipora Emery and what we're doing is she developed a framework so what we're doing now is getting veterans to tell their story. And it's probably the first time they've told their story to anyone in a non-threatening environment. And there's usually something in there. Mm. Usually something that's happened that comes out. We're over halfway through it. So then we're going to, our deporter's going to uh, publish the stories. We're going to turn into a veteran self. She's going to turn it into a veteran self-help guide, both for veterans and their families. And they'll realise, look, I'm not alone in this. Look, there's a whole lot of other people, and that happened to me. That's awesome, and especially like um, for veterans to a- access it, but for also for uh, for everyone to un- to hopefully understand what veterans are going through, and medical professionals, and just kind of That's build right. awareness about the yep. challenges. That's yep. so cool. Yep. It is, it is pretty cool. We're getting families involved. Our she's getting families involved as well. Uh, do you think that 
being a veteran should be reflected on their on their medical uh, records? Absolutely. Um, is, it, is it done at the moment? No, it's not. Uh, if that was done too, we'd learn a lot more about veterans because the NHI number can be matched up to the integrated data infrastructure so we know whether they're homeless or not. We know whether they're in prison. We know what kind of uh, jobs they're in and all those things because most veterans do very, very well. But it's those few, when it goes bad for them, it can really go sour. And that's the ones we're trying to catch. That was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. But find more at r1.co.nz. Well, thank you for letting us talk to you today. Thank you for the opportunity. That was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. But find more at r1.co.nz.